0: Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek 3, the search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. That would make me your other co-host david
1: stoker hey dave chris welcome back we are once more into the breach of bad acting oh sorry critic i'm I'm being (laughs) a little bit critical of
0: some people man all right well let's 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 dive in right we're talking about minute 23 of the search for spock today minute 23 starts with savik finishing her sentence uh life form reading uh, and ends a minute later with Ahura asking, "What about Doctor McCoy? How is he?"
1: Yeah. Um, so this minute is splitting two. You know, we're getting two different scenes here. And you know, I, I I joke about bad acting, and you know, who am I to say like, who am I to be critical of people in their acting? I probably couldn't act my way out of a paper bag, but. Um, I, I go back to my comment I made yesterday, uh, yesterday the uh, Monday about uh, David and his acting, and I got a glimpse of whiny David back. Oh yeah, and I I <laughs> loved it, and I and I want more of it. Which uh, which part of whiny David is in the scene? Is it? So so it's towards the end of the it's towards the end of their their scene, and he, you know, the captain says, you know, if the captain you know decides that. It's you know, a reasonably free of danger, and David's like, Captain, please, and and I almost in that moment I believe that he's a Kirk, like the 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 timber or timbre, the 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 way he does his line here, you know, Captain, please, <laughs> we'll take the risk, but we've got to find out what it is, you know. I feel like he almost does it a little like a Kirk would.
0: That's awesome. I did not even pick up on that.
1: And another thing we mentioned uh, on Monday, uh, my. Overall comments about Robin Curtis is now that I see her in this minute, um, I, I'm going to definitely raise her up a little bit, in um, particularly to a, towards emotion. So towards the you know as they're discussing with the captain um, as we'll go through the minute, but I just wanted to get this out is we were talking about emotion. There is one part in the scene where she's looking at the captain. You can almost see. I don't know what the emotion would be, but it's, 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 her mouth is a little bit open and her eyes are just saying, you know, they're willing him, you know, almost like Spock, you know, something's down there. We need to, we need to find out what it is. And it's expectation, um, like when you want something and you're sort of looking at the person and you're conveying that in your face, like, I, I feel like. In that brief moment, she conveys a little bit of emotion, but then when they cut to Esteban and then back to her, her face is then stoic again. It's just a brief glimpse of emotion, I think, in her eyes. Yeah, she's got a little bit of—I would say—I would say pleading, a little bit of pleading in her eyes. Yeah, yeah. If that were, yeah, if that were emo- an emotion, I feel like yes, that.
0: Yeah, and that's her. That's what she, it, Ironically, that's the line where she's saying the logical alternative, right? Uh, logical right. Yes. Alternative, obvious. That's that's the moment you're talking about. All right, so you said, uh, you, so for you
1: then, that's another plus mark? Check in the plus yeah, column? I, I feel like it, yeah, and we sort of we mentioned it, you know, when Kirstie Alley played Savick in Wrath of Khan, and we talked about, you know, the moments she sort of expressed the, the hint of emotion, like when she saw Peter Preston or at the funeral, you know, for Spock, and there were those moments when she definitely expressed a little bit of emotion, So, we knew there was more about her, and I feel like that definitely gives her character, Robin Curtis' portrayal of Savvic, a little more depth. She's not just complete stoic. So, yeah, I definitely give it a little bit of a plus. All right.
0: That's adding up. We should keep track. Pluses and minuses. We'll see where we end (laughs) at the end of the film. All right, let's wind it back. Let's go back to the beginning and take this through, right? I know you had to get that off your chest. I did. so it starts out with a you know, Savik confirming is a life form reading and immediately the comm officer butts in and's like, Hey. You wanna notify Starfleet? Do you feel like he's he wants to he's just like desperate to tattle <laughs> or like why
1: why is he chiming in? Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. I, I found that so he was gonna make a coded he was gonna do a coded message, you know, last minute, you know, uh Esteban's like, in code code to Starfleet, Captain Spock's tube located on Genesis Service. Yes, sir, coding your message. So I'm going to ask you a question. Does coding your message mean the message has been sent? Or is is he just getting the message ready and coding it, meaning like I am encrypting it to go? Or is coding your message mean I'm typing out your message and then I will send it? I don't. Maybe I should have mentioned this last minute. I didn't quite understand that line, and I understand his uh, his sort of message a little bit. If it goes the way of, I'm getting, you know, he says, yes, sir, I'm coding your message, meaning I'm getting your message ready. And he's sort of butting in saying, like, do you want to add that to this message that I'm sending?
0: Do we put that on there as a PS? Kind of.
1: Uh, I, I, that's what I kind of get it you know he's listening to the conversation and they're talking about a life form and he's like the comm officer is like hey you know you want me to say that we found Spock's thing and now you're saying there's life forms down there should I should I, should I put this in the message but I don't know yeah. I don't know if coding your message means I've already sent it and he wants to send another message
0: I think I've, I've always interpreted it as coding your message is one Esteban is first of all Esteban is just you know Esteban and uh, going above and beyond, he's, he's sending everything. Everything he's sending is encry- right. encrypted, which raises the question of: Shouldn't everything just be encrypted by default? I guess, but, <laughs> right? Um, but I've always interpreted this when he says, "Hey, code this message to Starfleet. We found Captain Spock's tube." That means uh, code it and send it. Yeah. So I so okay. I assume that that message is by this minute that message has already gone out. And okay. Com comm officers. Uh, overstepping his bounds by uh, hinting with, like, what the captain should do next, so I think the captain should be like just smacking this guy down. Like, who,
1: who are you, the captain? <laughs> uh, okay, I get you. I'm yeah. And if you put it like that, where he's coded the message and sent it off, he's yeah now butting in the conversation. Right, totally butting Al- it. Although we we get Esteban, um, he totally changes his demeanor. He's like whoa 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 wait a minute here. We don't know what is going on. We don't know what we're talking about here. And he totally is like... I love the hand. And I feel like, well, dude, you're a science vessel. You are the captain of a science vessel. Your job is to find out what these things are. And, you know, David's even like, you know, like, why don't we beam it up? And Esteban, ever the stickler for the rules, uh, oh no you don't. Regulations specifically state nothing shall be beamed aboard until danger of contamination has been eliminated, and I, and again I, I say it again like isn't that his position as a captain of a science vessel to figure these things out? Uh, yeah,
0: there's all, all sorts of fun stuff. I'm, I'm chuckling is because you're you're hitting over a couple of a couple of lines and um, you're, you're absolutely right. Science vessel, this is their job. Just, right? Searching for the unknown and understanding the unknown. So, chill out. David, (laughs) David's like, why don't we beam it up? (laughs) He's like so gung-ho, like, oh yeah, beam that mother up. I don't know what it is either, but I want to see it.
1: Uh, So I I just laugh at that line. Um, And I, so I, I looked up, because I remembered somewhere, specifically about beaming up and contamination and all that kind of stuff. It specifically went looking, because I remember someone saying, whether it was Next Generation, you know, the original series, one of the movies, saying that the the um, the transporters have biofilters and they're supposed to, you know, remove harmful, you know, things that may be on okay. a device, on a human, you know, a person, alien or human. Um, and so I found this on, you know, uh, Memory Alpha, where it says, uh, by the late 23rd century... Transporter shielded the subject from these external incursions, meaning like, you know, uh, some different things that may affect them. And that that reference is from uh, the undiscovered country. So my assumption is here that we don't have those yet. And it goes on to say that by the 24th century, biofilters were uniformly used on all Federation transporters. So that's I may have jumped the gun a little bit in terms of uh, biofilters and that sort of stuff. Okay, so yeah, so meaning they can weed out the the contamination,
0: if any. Right. Yeah. Okay. I chuckle a little bit. You know, I we we talked about I think a few minutes ago, a few episodes ago, that Esteban is very by the book, very Savic. Yeah. And I also Mm. just think this line here is very Savic too, right? I mean, he's totally quoting a a a starfleet starfleet regulation you'd think Savick would have been, you know, finishing that sentence for him.
1: But she doesn't interrupt David. Esteban does, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a... And um, she even steps in. She's like, you know, Captain, the logical alternative is obvious. Beaming down to the surface is permitted. So she even is like, you know... She probably already thought of that and was like, hey, well, let's go investigate. Right, of course she knows that. And then Esteban in his, you know... Captain, duty of a science vessel says, you know, well, if the captain decides that the mission is vital and reasonably free of danger. Right. Again, I feel like as a science, you're going to be in all kinds of danger. Whether, whether you're on a, you know, a exploration ship, a battleship, you know, a science vessel, there's going to be danger. And as a science vessel, your job is to seek answers to questions. And this is a big big mystery because David's like there shouldn't be any animal life forms down there and there's an animal life form down there so we need to go and explore. And I think savik is com- perfectly right about you know wanting to beam down there. Sure.
0: I wonder what Kirk would have done in this situation. I find Esteban is very um he, he doesn't have an internal monologue at all, right? He's saying all of the things he's mm-hmm. thinking out loud. <laughs> like, well, regulations state this, and you know, I gotta make sure it's reasonably free of danger, and you know, I I think if this scenario had been presented to Kirk, he would have silently brooded for a moment (laughs) right? Thought about it and then made a decision. Of course, we don't know what the decision is, we don't get to find out in this minute what the decision is
1: Um, Do you feel like Esteban is, um, what's the word I'm looking for here he doesn't want to be on a science vessel? (sighs) doesn't want to be on a science vessel, meaning he's looking for action? I don't know, but he's like, you know, he's like, yes, if the captain decides that the mission is vital and reasonably free of danger, and I go back to my whole, like, well, this is your job, dude. Like, I... I would he be better served being, like, an administration back at Starfleet Command? Like, he's obviously likes to... He, he he loves to quote the regulation he's definitely by the book, so...
0: Yeah, I would say there's a little bit of... It's gonna to be too strong of a word. A little bit of cowardice in him. He seems he's, he's reluctant.
1: Clearly, he's reluctant. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Cowardice. Yes. Yeah. That that's when he says the yes. If the captain decides that the mission is vital, like I almost feel like he's like I I don't I don't want to get involved with this. I don't want to be here. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I know we're being pretty harsh on Esteban, but yeah, he's just not giving us anything to really hold on to and hug. Right. You're just like uh, this guy's a. Make a decision, man, or get into it. Exactly. He's not into it. It's his planet. It's David's planet.
1: Uh, true, right. it is David's planet, as he, as he said to him, "It's your, it's your show." So, right. um, and then we get the captain. Please, we'll take the risk, but we've got to find out what it is. And Savik jumps in and says, "Or who?" <gasps> oh. Bum bum bum. Bum bum bum. And then we get,
0: which is great. And then we get the nice, the life form flashing on the screen right a couple couple of things okay well, the, the flashing on the screen i have to get this out i've been <laughs> wanting to get this out um this display and the life form flashing and the the crummy little graphics and stuff <laughs> it 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 reminds me of another movie that came out in 1984 uh it was 2010 <clears throat> the the well i guess it was 2010 a space odyssey but the year we made contact the sequel to 2001 and that's one of my my favorite movies. It's I, I don't know where it is in my rankings, but it's one of my favorites. And I love the I love films where we have alien contact in some semi-realistic way. and but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil the movie. <laughs> but near the end, go for it. but near the end, uh, the monolith has been joined by millions of monoliths, and they they surround Jupiter and compress it and turn it into a star and there's a scene where they're looking on the displays of of what's happening to jupiter and it this reminds me of that there's some graphics where you see all the just you know whatever millions of monoliths and and uh every time i see this little flashing thing i think of that scene and uh, yeah so if you haven't seen 2010 i highly recommend you go go check it out <laughs> there's my plug <laughs> have you seen it so your plug was uh spoiling the movie well not necessarily. It, I know. Yeah, that. I feel bad. I oh, I'm not gonna feel bad. That movie is thirty something years old. <laughs> <laughs>
1: spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! For a thirty year old movie. Yeah, how does that work? When is a spoiler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when is a spoiler no longer a spoiler? Yeah. When is
0: that? Is it is, it a, is it a a month after the movie comes out? A year? It's got to be ap- after a year. You're 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 allowed to say anything. I'm sure. So this was... So my other comment about this last moment here with Savick saying, or who? And so this was originally, I think we talked about, this was originally the first scene in the film. Right. So, so now that we've gotten through it, is this an awesome opener to a film? Or is it better suited for where they put it, which is,
1: you know,
0: 20 minutes in?
1: Um... Because the bum-bum-bum is... So we're, we're 23 minutes into the it's... movie, and I feel like if we saw this at the beginning of the movie, you basically give the movie away.
0: Well, well yeah, I mean, that's and that's
1: kind of where I was going, too, is like, uh, okay, that's Spock, right? Spock's alive. And I feel like... He must be alive. And again, I feel like going into this movie, um, you know, this the title, Search for Spock, could have been... And, I don't know if we've discussed like the title of the movie, maybe a little bit, like the alternate titles. Okay. I think one of them was Star Trek Genesis, and I feel like the, you know, obviously we're going, and a little bit of a tangent here, that the the title of the movie could go a couple of different ways. One, the the you know the traditional search for Spock, they're actually going to go and look for Spock, or the existential, you know, they're going to go and look for. Spock and his way of life and, you know, how he was not necessarily him, the person but him, the larger than life character you know, the search for God, the search for you know, in this case, the search for Spock I'm not saying Spock's God, but I think you get what I'm saying Yeah. Um, the search for Spock in all our hearts Yes, right, and I feel like this okay. if this had started the movie within the first two minutes you would have been like, oh my god They're, you know they just gave it away. They gave away that the <laughs> they found Spock and they're looking for Spock. I, I feel like sort of, I'm not saying burying it, but putting it 22 minutes in, 22, 23 minutes in, I feel like they kept a little bit of that suspense from, you know, now you're sort of like, oh, you know, now there's a there's a life form. Oh, there's more to it. McCoy was acting funny. You know, now I'm sort of putting things together a little bit, and I'm maybe getting uh, where this movie's going.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. you're starting to. The the pieces are starting to take shape. Right. Is that even? A, that's, I don't know if that's even a phrase. No, no. I. I <laughs> but yes, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're starting to start to put two and two together as it
1: were. So I, to answer your question, I feel like this would have been a bad opening for this particular movie with where it's going and how we already ha- are influenced by the title. I feel like we would have right. been spoiled. You know, and maybe people, you know, if they want to post in the Federation, do do you? how do you feel about that? Do you feel like this would have been a good opener? Would this have been too much of a spoiler? Or did you believe in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, it was a, you know, I was going into this movie knowing that they were going to find and resurrect Spock. Like, and i don't remember 100% with certainty i can't say that i remember saying like oh they're going to get spock back
0: no yeah i think i think it was just more like ooh maybe they're going to get spock back how how are they going to do it i'm in, i'm into it i'm into the journey how okay well moving from there then what i found interesting is so if you if you if this was the opener then the next and I'm I'm using the comic adapt- adaptation right now, right. not the novelization, because there's so much other stuff going on in the novelization. But in the comic adaptation, we go right from this scene to uh, Kirk on the bridge doing his captain's log yep. and saying, you know, all the cadets have left, and blah blah blah. Uh, so that's a you know kind of a a good transition from ooh what's going on, you know, bum bum bum, to the melancholy that Kirk's feeling. But what I found interesting is the way they, they re edited it and put it back together is that it's it's still cutting back to Kirk and yeah. Melancholy. Now he's now we're 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 in Kirk back in Kirk's apartment. Yep. And Kirk's giving a toast to absent friends.
1: Yeah, the tone has shifted, yeah, a little bit from yeah, from I, I guess a little bit of hope. You know, and, and even Savick, you know, when she says or who there's a little bit of hope in that face. There's a little bit of hope in her, like or who? Sure. So we go from go from that to yeah, you know, a a total sh- tonal shift to you know absent friends and you know they're they're you know Sulu immediately is like Admiral, what's going to happen to the Enterprise? I mean that's such a downer. You know they th- we we've now plummet. We're we're going downward in terms of emotion here. And you know, Admiral, what's going to happen to the Enterprise? And uh, you know, Kirk, sort of just coming out and saying like she's going to be dis- decommissioned. I know. Boom! They just slap it at us. Just, just right out there. I don't know. I, I guess I would be melancholy too. I would be down if I knew that the ship that I spent many years on, you know, saving lives, the Federation is going to not be there anymore.
0: Yeah, well, I guess. DK, I was going to say, you'd think at the very least they'd put it in a museum or something, but yeah decommissioned i guess doesn't mean they're necessarily going to take it apart but <clears throat> maybe it's going to be you a...
1: true yeah. i mean they could they could salvage parts you know from you know <laughs> taking this cell off here right. warp core there junk it
0: but no but it. to your point though this ship has how, saved the galaxy how many timeless? <laughs> how many times you know how many, how many episodes of the original series were they're saving right, yeah. something it's done a lot of good you, you i would think they weren't just they were necessarily going to just take it apart and throw it away right it should be memorialized in some way
1: right i would think so
0: but who knows in the 23rd century so we're back in kirk's apartment and i was doing a little snooping here just uh yeah. like oh is this the same same set that we uh that we know and love from rathagon and as far as i can tell everything is the same i, I went back and looked in the backdrop uh of san francisco it's uh san francisco bay um which was a painting um that looks the same the um the other apartment building, I guess or the other building yeah, uh, kind of in the in the foreground is the same, except the elevator uh, moves
1: and the lights flash
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my note too. It was uh, uh, that elevator moving uh, looks like the Barbie Dream dreamhouse elevator because. <laughs> <laughs> it like it like stutters on the way down. You can always picture the guy, you know, just uh, off screen with a string trying to get it to go up and down.
1: <laughs> it totally does not look like an elevator. It totally uh, that yeah. is bad.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, once uh, once I once I uh, saw that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's an elevator. I'm like, oh god, that is a terrible elevator.
1: <laughs> so uh, you know, check off. First I get we gotta well we'll get we'll get get through the, the the minute and then we'll talk about some other stuff but uh so Chekhov you know says we'll we get another ship and Kirk's you know I can't get an answer. Starfleet is up to its brass in Galactic Conference mm-hmm. which I love the uh, I love that line. Starfleet is up to its brass in Galactic Conference. Yeah is that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's what, it's brass. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> uh, so and then uh, no one has time for those who stand and wait. Hmm. And which I find, you know, a, it's a curious line, but I feel like it's a good one um, because obviously they're standing and waiting. Um, and then Ahura, you know, lets us in on something we want to know because he's not there is how about right. Dr. McCoy? How is he? And we don't get an answer yet, right? That's the end of this minute. Yep, that's the end of this minute. Um, I I I did notice that they had uh, Olympia Sports in um, in the 23rd century <laughs> because Kirk apparently raided <laughs> the Olympia Sports with that 23rd century tracksuit. Um, <laughs> oh my!
0: Let's let's um. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is this this is the the back half of this minute is. Star Trek casual wear right and I've I don't know where to start where do you want to start do you want to
1: talk about everybody's outfits um only two of them really stand out to me as being like oof okay and I would have to say Kirk's 23rd century tracksuit and Chekhov's I mean did he get that material from the seats from Grissom was that leftover material or yeah what Sulu's outfit I can buy him wearing that outfit, and Ahora's is, you know, it's it's not a, it, you know, she's wearing some sort of shirt or dress, and she's got a, you know, a necklace on. Um, she's got a huge ring on. That she does. <laughs> it was only really Kirk and <laughs> Chekhov that I really was like, ugh, boy. That's,
0: yeah, that's I think you nailed the tracksuit for Kirk. Um, excuse me, a nice, uh, interesting touch, though, it's style-wise. His sleeve... Uh, ends in like a point, like over the. It does, and and so did David. David had a whatever his jumpsuit was that he was wearing, uh, had the same kind of sleeve ending in this in this point over the over the top of his hand. Oh yes, you
1: did. Uh, you are correct. So you know, that's the style of the day. Is that, is that a trademark of the Kirk family, Kirk, uh, Kirk lineage?
0: And yeah, uh, check off in his. I think you would did. You say it was salmon colored, not pink.
1: Pink. Salmon. More pink I think here than the Yeah than the, the Grissom, but it just after seeing the Grissom, we just came from the Grissom with their pink chairs and going right to him I'm like Did the you know, the prop crew figure like, man, we got some left over we got some leftover <laughs> left uh, fabric here, let's eh. Chekhov needs an outfit. Right.
0: You think Walter was like, Really? That's what you're gonna make me wear? Like <laughs> can I wear something cool like, cool like Sulu? Yes,
1: Sulu's is cool. I like yeah, his outfit. Totally. It works. It makes sense. Um, yeah, the colors work. I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice brown with a nice teal blue, um, with like it almost looks like violet. You know, cuff ends to the cuffs. Uhura's is even nice. It's a nice red with a blue. The tracksuit just looks total eighties. I mean, it just maybe back then it would have been like, ooh, that's a cool outfit, and you know, kids were wearing it all over. But now it just looks. Ugh, do you like Kirk's uh, belt buckle? Or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the belt buckle.
0: <laughs> I haven't been able to place it yet, but I feel like that's a prop to some other movie. I feel like that's—I'm picturing that it light up, like on
1: two sides, <laughs> almost like uh, turn signals.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Casual wear. Yes. It's, yeah. it's never, never. I mean, even even last movie, we didn't—we yeah, we saw. Uh, McCoy in his casual wear, nope, didn't work. Uh,
1: Yeah, they just haven't gotten 23rd century normal outfits. I mean, we even saw a little bit in, um, when the Enterprise pulls in, and they're sort of in the lounge, you know, with uh, Commander Rand, not Rand there, and we saw some of the outfits there, and they, they just, they did uniforms well. You know, whether it was the Starfleet uniforms, Klingon, um, you know, even the regular crew as bad as they are, there's, you know, they're, they're uniforms and, but casual wear, they just cannot get right. Most of the time. Most of the time
0: I need to, we need, I know a costume designer was Robert Fletcher Mm. and I I should have, we should look up to see what other films he's done uh, outside of search for Spock uh, because I'm curious, I'm curious if these designs are Robert Fletcher designs right
1: uh, like if know, he versus... had if he had a signature uh a signature uh style, so to speak right yeah um, so apparently he did up until Star trek four okay he did um you know, so I just happen to have that page open and he did the motion picture, wrath of Khan, which you know I find hmm. I find interesting that he took that leap, you know again, is the costume designer the one that comes up with the ideas or is that something like you all sort of you know, the director and everyone sort of puts input into but he did, I mean, the motion picture with the pajamas and then going to a complete difference of the way the movie looked Um, he did uh, Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4 but he also did um, one of our Favorite movies: The Last Starfighter. Yeah, that's awesome. Which, um, again, casual wear for 1984 was casual wear for 1984, so there was no he didn't really need.
0: Yeah, I I could see that if you look at the if you look at the the uniform that Alex Rogan wears mm. in the Last Starfighter. Yeah, it, it's got that feel. I mean, it's not it doesn't look like it, it could translate directly into uh, the Star Trek universe, but it, I, I could see I could see hints of it. You know, I can see right. Yeah. Part of.
1: Yeah. Oh no! I'm buying it. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying that. He had a look, but that was sort of the last thing. You know, he did. Um, he did a couple other things like TV movies and stuff like that. But Star Trek IV was his last. Um, his last thing. And I wonder if it was the casual wear that did him in. We're never hiring uh, you. You'll never work in this industry again, my friend. I joke. You know, it could be he didn't want to do it anymore. But uh, casual wear, not his thing. In the twenty-first thing,
0: huh. sorry, sorry, Robert Fletcher.
1: We do like the uniforms, though. So a plus for you on those, Robert.
0: Absolutely. We're getting back to casual wear and casual drinking. <laughs> so they're toasting. Kirk's toasting the absent friends, and um, I. I tried finding out what they were drinking, but I did not have any luck. Did, did, did you happen to find out what they're drinking?
1: I didn't, but I know it's not Romulan ale. Yep, definitely not. That's not blue. Uh, so the last time we were in his apartment, that's what they were drinking.
0: All right. Well, that's a, that's homework then, because I, I I need to find out. It's got, someone someone must know that. All right. Well, that's I think that's the end of the minute. That's what yeah, I I am out of notes at that point is it was really more the uh the casual wear and, you know, there's a certain there's a certain uh eye rolling that goes with it, but also uh I I I I, I love it in some way. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like a love-hate thing, yep. um, and uh, it's funny you pointed out uh, pointing out Kirk's tracksuit. That's never the one I focused on.
1: Oh, really? Who was the one you focused yeah. on the most?
0: I've always focused on McCoy's in *Rathacon* and Chekhov's in this one. Yeah. And you know, we didn't really talk about too much about Uhura's, you know, jewelry and stuff. She's very, very elaborate with her jewelry. Oh yeah. Um, and I was Here, wondering. In the necklace, yeah 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 it definitely has she's she's in her backstory she's she was i don't know what country she was born in but she was born in africa we just don't know which country so you know i think clearly she's she's going for that vibe between the you know the, the prints on her sleeves or her costume to the to the right. jewelry i'm getting that vibe so clearly she's you know she's at home yeah oh yeah all right well that was all i had so i'm done i'm done talking about this minute as am i all right well let's wrap it up here then we'll call it a
1: day fantastic <laughs>
0: fantastic all right well folks we'll be back again on friday uh in the meantime if you want to go uh, check us out online uh you can uh join the conversation love to hear your thoughts on costumes and casual wear in the star T- star trek universe not just this film there's tons of examples and all the other ones yeah. um so, if you can find us at the Star Trek Minute Listener Federation on Facebook, you can join that up, uh, join that join that group and and uh, uh, let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back again on Friday with minute twenty four of the Searcher Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.